Oh, it's been a great week. Had some challenges, but you know what? That's a sign that I'm still alive. Try to keep my nose out of the news. Try to keep my nose out of political things. Those will not be mentioned today, okay? I'm just going to say that right now. If you've come here to hear a, a patriot speak up here, well, you can know that I'm a patriot. I'm part of that. But I'm also, I'm also a man of God that preaches. Okay, I, I also preach. <laughs> and uh, it's a real privilege to stand in Mike's place this morning. And he'll be returning to the pulpit uh, next Sunday. And it's uh, just really good to be able to return this gift to you. You know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wonderful things. So are the callings. And, and I've got one, one or two of those callings in Ephesians 4.11, but I've also got into operation some of the gifts. And, and I just want to just throw this out there for you to think on, is that um, Paul said it straight on the gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, as the Spirit wills. He gives severally. He gives as he wishes. Um, and so this is what I say about the gifts. People, people have asked me, Rip, what gifts do you flow? And I say, all of them. No, that's blasphemy. Only Jesus did. I said, you don't understand gifts. You don't understand gifts. I do not possess them. I don't flow in them all the time. There are times when I get out of bed feeling like I want to, but, you know, it's really the Holy Spirit amongst people. Those gifts, those gifts are not gifts when I'm by myself. Those gifts are not gifts if I stay at home and, and worship Pastor Panasonic. It, those are not gifts. Those are buried talents. And I'll have to pay for them someday if that's what I do. But I don't. And I like to say this, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for church anymore. They hadn't better be. Find, if you don't know what gifts you have, get in the Bible, do some searching between 12 and 14 in 1 Corinthians and start there. And there's other places. Romans has some in it. Romans 12, chapter 12 has some that are in it. Has what I call the adhesive gifts. But know your gifts because that's where the anointing of God is going to flow. And you can ask for them as well. Uh, Paul said, covet them. Covet the greater gifts. Covet them. Covet. What, what other thing in the Bible or in this world, where, where does it say in the Bible that we can covet anything? Except those greater gifts. Yeah, we're given a wide open permission for the Lord, from the Lord saying, covet them. I want to give them to you. But I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to have them, but not after seeking them. Then there are some that He'll just dump on you when you're not asking. And I mean, it comes in like a truckload. Have you experienced that? Sometimes His presence comes in and just boom. And you know, it, it was a, a few months back, I think it was around Christmas time, I preached on the seasons of transition that the Lord has. You know, we go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. We go from faith to faith. It's that two-part, you know, I pray from glory to glory, that two-part that's really troubling. And uh, it's that part that I say, Lord, don't let that little season go for too long. 
Because I don't know about you, but, you know, it's like being unemployed. And sometimes being unemployed just plain hurts, you know. And, and I mean, maybe some of us here are retired. I tend to be that way. Um, but you can ask my wife, you know, someone wants me to do something, I'll do it. But uh, I don't have to anymore. But it's fun. Don't be out of employ with God. Now, that was just a little side thing. I'm not speaking on gifts, although I just did. I want to speak to you about a subject that we have all walked in, every one of us. It is on one page of the Bible from Genesis all the way through the last page in Revelation. And that is faithfulness of God. I want to speak to you on the faithfulness of God knowing that this is not even touching one but many facets of his beauty. I pray that you all could be face to face with him in a dream or in a vision and talking with him and see his beauty. His beauty. Jesus did say that he was going to do a little bit of that Joel chapter 2 in the last days. Dream dreams, visions, spirit on all flesh. I pray you would know that. I pray that his faithfulness would be fullness to you as a reward of your faith. Your faith, his fullness. Amen. Larry, would you put up that first one, 1 John 1, 9? We're going to start at a very base level, and then we're going to move through some things. But there's only two points that I really intended on bringing to you this morning about his faithfulness. And we'll get to those in a second. But First John one nine says this, and I how many of you have this memorized? Y'all have y'all should have this memorized right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us, purify us from all, not just some, all unrighteousness. It's interesting, when you get around some people, when you say that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that they'll put up a little snit. It's like, haven't you read your Bible? If you've confessed your sin, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not a sinner. And I pray that none of us would fall into the, an, an identity crisis in the body of Christ that's going through this whole earth and for centuries believers have been saying this. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Really? You're a sinner or you're saved? Which one are you? you get that yet? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man, woman, be in Christ. If any be in Christ, they're a new creation. A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become new. We are saved by grace through faith. 
Where in that are we called a sinner? I'd have to say this. How does God look at you? Did he send Jesus to die on the cross? First of all, live a sinless life filled with temptations and yet no sin be found in him whatsoever. And the open grave to him, the raising forth after three days that Jesus was found faithful. The grave gave him up, coughed him up and said, get him out of here. He is righteous. The grave, death, cannot hold someone who is righteous. Any more than you and I, the righteousness in Christ Jesus, that when we die, the grave can't hold us either. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when we will rise and rise with him. Have I got your attention yet? Think on these things. This is the last, these are the last days and we should not have any kind of a question as to who we are. Because if we don't know who we are and what we are, we're not going to know what to do. When you become a child of God, you confess your sin. He is faithful and just and he will purify you from all unrighteousness and you will become the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will. You are. Haven't heard that before? Get this down in you because it's the truth. You can't argue this. You can't argue it. It's not even debatable. What it is, is we get these nice little sayings. And we just parrot them. You ever have a parrot? It's like, shut that thing up. Well, it only says, it doesn't have its own language. It only says what it hears you saying. And we hear what other Christians are saying, and we just, whether they are in the Bible or not. God helps those who help themselves. Oh, there's a real scriptural one for you. (laughs) Cleanliness is next to godliness. Oh, there's another one. Well, I put right up there another one that says, this is going around when when Vicki and I came to Christ in 1981. and, and, uh, And it was a warning. It was a warning to us not to be so heavenly minded we would be no earthly good. Where is that in the Bible? Someone please show me. Because this is what I see is that we become so earthly minded we are no heavenly good. That's the problem. We have this need to know who we are in this day and age. To know who we are in Christ. Or else we will not do what he wants us to do. And if you can't figure that out yet, I hope, because I'm looking at a lot of veterans here today, that if you see someone searching that, the first thing you want to do is like, first of all, ask them, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Start with the basics. 
Some of the things that my wife has done through through the years is getting uh, placed in different churches. And, and one thing has been common in all the churches that we've gone into is that they were all in trouble and the Lord wanted to do a work. And it's not like I had something that others don't. That's, that could be very arrogant sounding, but that's what he does. He sends pastors and others with another calling in to help with order. And the order is usually this, not making sure that everybody knows how to behave in a service. You know where pastors used to this? Pastors used to do this. They would be up there in their three-piece suit and gold chains, and they'd sit here and they'd watch people worship. One pastor I know, he's gone and be with the Lord. He said, you know, I, I did that for a while until the Lord set me straight. I said, Lord, I'm only doing this to make sure nothing happens. And he says, is anything happening? No. Nothing happens. But the Lord sends us into churches that have problems. Different this time. This is our home base. It does not have problems. Not not like I'm speaking of. And some of them were really problematic. And, and we would go to one place, and there were people there that didn't even know what a born-again experience was. I'm not kidding you. I'm not pulling your leg. There are churches that don't preach that from their pulpits. They just go and give one verse and give a bunch of nice, warm stories to encourage people, to make people think they're getting their money's worth, and then they feel all nice, and they feel all holy because they got the church thing squared away, and they can just go and do whatever. And the problem with that is, is they didn't have an identity of children in Christ. They weren't born again. They weren't the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And they were the ones, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I'd have to, and I have asked some of them, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you truly saved? A sinner, saved by grace. A sinner, you're still a sinner. Identity crisis. The closer you get to the Lord, the first thing you're going to notice is that He is faithful. He is faithful. Larry, if you'd put up there Second Timothy. If we are faithless, He remains Faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He cannot disown himself. I love to preach about the greatness of God. And out of his greatness flows his goodness. Everything comes from the greatness of God. He is a great God. Great God. C.S. Lewis, Lion, Witch, and a Wardrobe. I've watched that thing several times. You know, know, it's... Some, it's, it's profound. That's all I can say. C.S. Lewis is profound. And the young boy he had, he was asking this <laughs> beaver that talked, was asking him about Aslan, the lion. And if you're a C.S. Lewis fan, I'm going to probably offend you and hack this up really bad. But let me give, give you Rip's paraphrased version. So the boy said, is he safe? Safe? He says, safe? He's a lion, I tell ya. 
but he's always good. Always good. (laughs) For those that have come into Christ thinking that this was going to be an easy life, that it was not going to be dangerous. It hasn't been that way for me. I haven't had to shed one drop of blood in martyrdom. I haven't. Maybe yet to come, I don't know. But I know this. For all the difficulties I've been through, he's been faithful. Faithless. Those are times when I doubt him. Those are times I said, Lord, you spoke this a long time ago. Are you really going to do it? You notice I don't ask, oh, Lord, you're not going to do it because you can't do it. That's unbelief. That is unbelief. Is when you say you're presupposing God won't do it, as opposed to, Lord, are you going to do this? Because I ask that question because I know he can do anything he wants to do. And I pray your doubting wouldn't last for too long, but never go into unbelief saying he's not going to do it because he can't do it. He wouldn't do that for me. He'd do it for everybody else. Nonsense. Get over yourself. This isn't about us. It's about him. But yes, it's about us. When we are faithless, if we ever find ourselves in a faithless situation, he will remain faithful. Ask Samson. Blind. Both eyes gouged out. The hair of his consecration grew back. You better know his, his life with the Lord was squared away while he was pushing that with the, with the oxen in a gristmill blind in darkness. And he asks the boy, when they brought him out to make sport of him, you know the story. He puts his hands on the pillars and he says, Lord, one more time, if you would so do this. One more time. Oh, more people died there than all of his other exploits. Samson found the faithfulness of God. Noah. Build a boat, Noah. For however long, he preached with a hammer. People didn't know what a boat was, what a boat needed to do, or what a boat did. What? That's a funny looking house that you're building here, Noah. And they continued in their sin, their wickedness, and their degradation. And he preached to them, lest they would be unawares when it started raining. And they mocked him. Mocked him. Noah, Peter calls a preacher of righteousness, touches my heart. A preacher of righteousness. He was found faithful. His family was found faithful. And so much so that he saw the Lord fulfill that whole task never to be done again. Another one-off that the Lord is good at doing. Faithfulness of God. Now, it was last week that I, I mentioned something that I didn't expound on, didn't take much time, but I want to fill it in just a little bit more for you this morning. And that... 
And that was uh, talked to you about an accelerated harvest. And as we come down, the clock is ticking down to a certain time where the Lord calls his church up in the rapture. And when he does that, that's going to be the end of the Lord giving promises to his body of Christ that was here. And then in the tribulation, there'll be others, but, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be rough for them. But I just want to speak to you and I, who are believers now, all over the earth. The Lord has given us a promise. And it's come maybe by a way of the Lord whispering something in your heart, giving you a desire to hope for, to believe for, something to hope in. And maybe it was someone, uh, a prophetic word that came to you from a prophet, somebody, or maybe just somebody who's, who doesn't even flow in that usually and turn around, look at you seated in a church. I've had this happen a couple times and say something to you. It's like, that was God but yet to see it fulfilled. How many of you have had some promises that you have yet to see fulfilled? I do. I do. To see your children serving God is one of those promises. The jailer who repented after the earthquake, set all kinds of prisoners free. None of them escaped. And and, uh, Peter or Paul said to him, no, everything's okay. And he says, today you are saved and thy house. And thy house. Now, Those that are unsaved, that are sons and daughters and grandchildren, believe it. I know you've been praying that, but believe it. We have unfulfilled promises that God is going to do because He's faithful and He never misses a promise. Amen? You can say amen every now and then if you so think you want to. That's okay. We do that in this church. I don't need it, but it's good for you to say it. Yeah, there you go. That's amening him. Did you hear him, Lord? Ah, I love it. But as we tick down to that end day, which we're getting pretty close, aren't we? There's going to be an accelerated harvest of souls being saved and promises being fulfilled because he is faithful. Do you understand that concept? The closer we get to, there's a compressing of promises into a short amount of time that there's going to be a lot going on in that short gap, that short segment of history of humankind here on this earth that he has got, God is going to fulfill it all. And you know what we call that? We've called it that for years, but have yet to see it. And that is the end time harvest. That's why it's going to come about. It's because God is faithful. There's a compressing of time. And he's getting ready to dump out fulfilled promises to you and I in places that we thought maybe maybe it was a promise that maybe the, the one who was given a prophetic word, maybe they were wrong. No, they weren't. 
they weren't. Not the ones that my wife and I have been given, and we've been seeing some of that fulfilled. Just the other day, and my wife said that, and she said, said something in regard to one of my crazy hobbies and pastimes that I have, you know, like when I go fishing. And she, you know, she said, just so good to see you enjoying that. You know that that was part of that prophetic word that was given us when we, we, we visited that one night over at that other church. Guy called us out out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere, says, I have a word for you too. Stand up. We still got it somewhere. Those kind of promises. And he's going to do it because he's faithful. Some that we have just plain forgotten about or some that we have doubted, he's still going to do it because he said he would. Aren't you glad you're serving him? Hmm? You are faithful ones just for being here this morning. <laughs> but it goes greater than that. It's much greater than that. God honors those that honor him. That's a verse. That is not one of those little parroted things. That's a verse in the Bible. God honors those that honor him. Honor him. Honor him in everything you do, and then pretty soon you're going to see some things happen that you don't even attribute to that verse. Sowing and reaping, the things that we sown long time ago, you know what? Maybe it took five or ten years. Some things take a while to grow. Not everything is a weed, you know, and that's not even of a biblical nice thing to have growing, like a tear among the wheat. And, but you know that... It's going to happen. I want to encourage you in this. He's so faithful. He is faithful. And he will, he will watch over his word until it's performed. Turn with me if you've got a Bible. If not, just look at the wall. <laughs> Stare at the wall. Uh, <laughs> we would only know what that means in this day and age. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12. And this is Jeremiah, a young prophet. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before, this is God, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you. Ah, there's this obedience thing. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and will rescue you. And he did. Read the book of Jeremiah just for the sake of pointing out where the Lord was faithful to fulfill that word. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. That would be a sensation, wouldn't it? And said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy 
and overthrow, to build and to plant. And then look what the Lord's going to do. He's going to test him. It's, it's almost like those of us, Tom, those of us who like hot rods, you know, I'm going to put this engine in this car because I want to see what it does. Guess what the Lord was going to do? He was going to rev up Jeremiah. He, he put his hand on his mouth. Tell me his spirit was not quickened. He had a special kind of calling and anointing. And the Lord says, what do you see, Jeremiah? How you doing, buddy? That's what he's saying. How you doing, Jeremiah? What do you see? Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Amen. I'm watching to see. I am watching over my word to see that it is performed. To see that it does everything that I send it out to do. Oh, I like this. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this very thing. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eaters, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me void, empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See faithfulness in there? Faithfulness. God is faithful. And he will do it. Just wait on him. Faithful to perform it. He also said, I sent my word. To heal you of your disease. Sends his word. Word. Jesus. Capital W. Wow. Before he went to the cross, the stripes were laid upon his back. We see healing and salvation coming about at the same time. Package deal. The young man that was let down through the roof. Here's another one where, where Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Rise, take up your bed and walk. But in between that, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees and the teachers and everybody, the religious types, they, they lost it. They're going, oh, and they're, they're mumbling, grumbling between one another. And the Lord heard them. And he says, he says, why is it so difficult for me to say your sins are forgiven? And they're saying, only God can do that. Only God. Well, the Lord was going to show them a little sign that perhaps the Son of God was in their midst. And he says, he says, which is more difficult for me to say your sins are forgiven you? Or rise, take up your bed and walk. And they got up and he walked. Healing, salvation, deliverance. That's what salvation means. Healing and deliverance is part and parcel of it. Those three things. Now, I sent my word to heal you of your disease. I like what Mark 16 says. Signs follow those that preach. 
when you preach his word, signs follow. There was a there was a young rapper when rap music was really coming in back in 1986. We heard this. 86. Is that going back a few years? You know, that was another millennia. <laughs> 1986. And we re- I remember his name, Michael Peace. And he came from the Flint area. Michael Peace was a rapper. And he was born again to the bone. And he would rap the Jesus rap, it was called. You'd probably go on YouTube and find Michael Peace, the Jesus rap. And he goes this, signs follow what you preach. It is the word of God that you teach. Signs follow what you preach. It is the word of God that you teach. One of those signs is healing. Now the Holy Spirit gives gifts, a gift of healings, Gifts of healings, there's a plural in there somewhere, but that's in 1 Corinthians 12, and those are one of the greatest gifts that we should covet. I still covet that. I still covet that. But when you stretch forth your hand and put your hand on somebody and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, and you watch the Lord do what's going on, do you know what that does to the person that's set free? Would to God, no one would get any kind of a picture saying, I am bragging because of those that have been healed. No, it was God. I brag on Him because He is God. And He's showing Himself faithful to the one who needs to be set free from that infirmity. Do you see that? Good, because I'm going to lay some stuff on you. I want to give him glory for things that he has done for so long ago. Nine years old, I was in my bed, and I was crying. I don't know for how long, but my pillow was wet when I was nine years old because my best friend was dying in the hospital, and I knew I'd probably never see him again unless God healed him. Where'd that come from? How can I claim that that little boy so long ago had anything except what the Lord gave him? I never went to church. Well, I went to Sunday school, but never to church with my mom and dad, ever. Stuff happened in my house. I knew they weren't saved. (laughs) I knew what the difference was. Nine years old. Some years later, when we were 20, I was 23, and, and, and my wife was, you know, she's a couple under me, but, um, we were young when we got saved. We were young when we got married. We'd been married for three years. And finally gave our lives to the Lord. But I had no idea what he was going to do. I didn't know what I had to live up to. I didn't know the gifts that he was going to give me. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. But I know this, that, that finally, when we uh, took our first pastorate, our first senior pastorate, it was on West Road Assembly of God, and it was uh, 1993. And we stayed there for three years. But I found myself doing this. I would, in that little, that little sanctuary out in the cornfields down by Flat Rock, I am, I am just pacing and crying out to God in my anguish. I said, God, everybody I'm praying for is dying. What is going on? I am preaching your word. Well, the Lord wanted me to be coveting those greater gifts. And I coveted and coveted and coveted so much more so that we ended up 
going to a church that was really troubled. Troubled because the Holy Spirit wasn't there. It's pretty obvious, and I spoke some of that last week. But here's what happened there. There came fulfillment because God is faithful. He's faithful. The Lord asked us to step out in faith. And with about 50 people in the congregation and a third of them kids, he called us to feed Many, many, many families. We helped 5,000 people a year out of that little church. Do you say miracles? You know what that did to me? Do you think I bragged about it? Let me tell you about doubt. Until one day, and the Lord says, I'm not going to hear any more of this. Haven't you read my story about the fishes and the loaves? Oh, okay. I'll grow up. But I wasn't ready to see what we were going to see when usually 40, 50, 60 people standing at the door when I would come into the church and we would come in, a small crew of us to help feed. We had, we had a huge food ministry for a little tiny church. And when we opened the doors, we had such good food for them, but the greatest food was what they were going to hear made it a point, and I told everybody, I want you to talk about Jesus, not about their problems, okay? That, and, and don't judge people based on, look, at if they drive a nicer car than you, what you don't see is they probably got laid off. The kids, are, they, they've been living pay to check to paycheck. Maybe they are uh, going to the casinos. Maybe they are, you know, and, I, you know, we just learned to have a tender heart and be servants, and so when people would come in, the first thing I'd do is say, how are you doing, you know, and greet them. And, and, uh, and I'd say uh, something like this. I said, I said, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And they'd look at me and say, yeah. Well, of course they did. Because if they said no, they think they probably wouldn't get any food. Shame on them, shame on us, I guess. But I would look at them and I'd ask them a second question. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Uh-huh. And I say, are you serving him? Boom, the head would go down. Well, one sweet, dear lady, she was 86 years old, and I took a different bend with her a little bit, and I said, is there anything I could pray with you about? And from that point all the way through, I'd continually ask people. I'd preach the gospel one time, and then after that, if they came in again, I would ask them, has the Lord moved on your behalf? Have you seen his faithfulness? What would you like me to pray about? And I'd write it down on the back of a piece of paper, and you know, and we kept track of that stuff. This 86-year-old woman, 86, she came in, her whole arm was bruised, bruised, purple bruised, all the way from, from like bicep to elbow, was all bruised purple. Now, 86 years old, how long do you think it's going to take for that to go away? Yeah, ask the doctor here. He knows. Football players have them for a couple of weeks or a month. 86-year-old woman. She says, she she was wearing a, a nice shawl that was down here. She was, um, she was a country gal, but she was... <laughs> 
she come from out in the country and we were trying to reach people in the city and she came in and she says she says I don't need food that much I just want you to pray for me so okay and so I said what what do you want me to pray for and she pulls her shawl back and it was in the summertime okay you know, she didn't have to take heavy coats off. She showed me this mass of dark blue. And she says, this really hurts. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. But I know someone who can touch that. And I, and I just put my hand toward her and I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you touch her, please? She comes in a week later. She says, I'm just here for a few minutes to show you something. And I said, what? And she goes, and there was no bruise. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, there's a spot about this big that was kind of yellow, just to let people know that what used to be there. Amazing. And I said, you know who did that, don't you? She says, are you crazy? That was Jesus. I said, yeah. But I am crazy like that. And so we had several people coming in over the course of those four years we had people coming in, and let me tell you about the guy who came in with liver damage. He was going to die. He's swollen up here. I came in from work, and I was tired. I had people running this whole operation. You know, they didn't need a pastor to show up and be there to do things, you know. I mean, I can let things go because it was in good hands and let the Lord. The Lord was so powerful in our midst. And I come in, and I'm tired. It's like, Lord... I'm a half an hour late. I didn't intend to be late. I'm wiped out. I'm tired. And I had a bad attitude, which I can get now and then. And I had it bad. And I sat down and I asked him, I said, man, I said, what can I pray with you about? I didn't have an hour of prep to be praying in the spirit and worshiping the Lord in my face before God, which we all always did. Okay. We always did that. This is one of the things that we did is we made the Holy Spirit feel welcome there. And I didn't, it's like, oh, yeah, I felt no confidence whatsoever. And I heard the Lord whisper to me something like, do you really think this is about you? And so I just gave a basic prayer for the man. Lord, Lord, my friend here needs your help. He wasn't that old. He was maybe 40. Hepatitis C, I don't know what it was, but his liver was done. And so it's pretty quiet in there, okay? We have people that are milling around, and 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 I <laughs> I didn't even sit next to him. I'm across a big eight-foot table, and usually I'm I'm like elbow to elbow, knee to knee, and I'm being with really close with people and just loving on people. And and it was like, I don't want to be here, you know, on the inside. And I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you just touch his liver? And as soon as I said that, he started screaming. He's going, ah, my legs, my legs. And I'm going, Lord, I didn't pray for his legs. My legs, my chest. Ah, ah, I mean, he is that loud or louder. And I'm, and all of a sudden, just this little thought comes in my mind. It's like, while he is going off into this Holy Ghost joy, I couldn't recognize it because my attitude stunk. But God is bigger than you are. When we are faithless, he is faithful. And he says, I want to hug you. 
<laughs> thinking, okay. And we hugged. And I said, Jesus did this. He says, are you kidding me? I know he did. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It was a few years back ahead. I had a lady come in and she, in the office, you know, and, and of another church and, and she, she was going to confess to me all kinds of things that were going on in her life. I already knew about it. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. But then she starts, it's like, okay, I let my hair down. Time for you to let your hair down. She looks at me and she goes, how do you believe that people can be healed if you have diabetes? And I looked at her. Oh, man, the Holy Ghost got up in me. And I looked at her and I said, because it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about those that are being healed. Had a man I gave a Holy Ghost hug to that the doctor said, you better go home, you got a month to live with pancreatic cancer. That night he was healed. She couldn't see that. Some people are like that and you gotta put up with it. Gotta love them. Gotta, gotta show them your best Jesus face if you have to pull it out of a glove box somewhere. But I mean, you got, it's like, God forgive me. I, you know, I've got to manufacture joy somewhere. But you know what? It's all about Him. I've seen bones mended instantly. I could go on and on and on. Vicky's dad was in the ICU for a month. ICU for a month with Wegener's disease. It's like doctors didn't know what Wegener's was. You know, we're, we're going back, we're going back 15, 16 years ago. 16 years ago, this summer, he was laying in bed with Wegener's disease. He was dying. Doctors didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to treat it. They knew the name of it. But then they found out after testing that he had the, out of a rare disease, he had an even more rarer form of Wegener's. He was dying. His body was just turning in on itself and he was dying. And he was in the bed and he was in, and uh, I remember this is when we were pastoring here. Let's go back to 06, 2006. And, uh, and I, I was just sitting at, at the bar on the laptop bar, not excuse me. I, I don't drink. <laughs> Kitchen counter, thank you. Can't believe you're a pastor. I had someone say that again this week. It's like, will you stop it? I can't believe you're not as critical as you are. Anyways, <laughs> sarcasm is my second language. Speaking in tongues is my first. I don't do very good with English. I had a bottle of anointing oil that I carried with me all the time. Why? Because I was going to use I looked at Vicky and I said, I said, the church that your dad has been attending, this is a word of knowledge. This is straight from the Lord. And I looked at my wife and I said, I said, tomorrow we're going to go there and I'm going to pray a prayer of healing over your dad and he's going to be okay. But what makes me really mad is the church that he was going to doesn't think that that stuff happens today. And this is going to be, this is going to be an indictment to them for turning their back on God. And it, 
I could, I could give you the name of the church. You'd say, well, of course. They don't believe in that kind of stuff. But I was, I was just a little bit, you know, it's like, I've got to go now. And it's like, to that point, it had been fine. But everything God does is in the fullness of time. You understand that? Fullness of time. Not, not according to what we think in our convenience. Fullness. And after a month, it became really obvious that it was getting full. And that's like, Lord, am I, is this time? Is it? And the next morning, we went over there, and I walked in to that ICU room, and, um, and, and his wife, my, it's a stepmom to my wife, she's gone on. Both of them gone on to be with Jesus. How wonderful. I walked in there, and I, and I looked at her, and I said, I said, we're not here to visit. And I stood at the bed, at the foot of that bed, and I rebuked death. I said, death, you've got an eviction notice. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is against you. Leave right now. In the name of Jesus. And I said, Wagoner's disease, obey the word of the Lord. Leave. It's like, okay. And But before we left, before we left, Jenny, his wife, looks at me. She says, I've been waiting for someone to come and do just that. I said, well, there's that word of the Lord. It's not about us. So what happened? Vicky's brother, Jamie, was coming up from downstate, and he says, he says, He's not, I, I came up here to see him. It's not right that he's gonna die. I, there's too much death going on. Mom's dead and sister's dead and now, now my dad, this is not right. And so he's coming up and, and he's thinking this, you know, and, and, uh, 30 days in a coma. Thank you. That next day was the day that Jamie was gonna come up and see a dad dying. You know what he saw? He was sitting up in a subacute. He was sitting up in the bed talking and laughing to Jamie's jokes. It's not about us. It's about, it's about him showing himself faithful, especially to those around, still believing that Jamie would look at that and lose some cynicism along the way, but we're, you know, we're still believing for him. Still believing for him. How many of you remember Bob Ottakirk? Remember Bob Ottakirk? Same summer. I came into the office here and I was given a word that Bob Ottakirk was in the hospital Kidney failure. And he wasn't doing so good. He already had diabetes. And now he's in kidney failure. I said, no! Not my friend! He was 80-some years old. I think at that time he was 82. And so immediately I grabbed the oil and I went over there. And I walked into the hospital room. 
And I thought he was sleeping, but he's just, he's just, you can imagine, you know, the, the dialysis, the diabetes, the, just everything was skyrocketing on him, and he was, he thought he was going to die. And I looked at him and I said, I said, brother, I'm not even going to tell you to get your faith worked up because it's not about you. It's about him, and he's going to show himself faithful. I will be your faith for you. And I put my hand on him, same thing. I, I said, kidneys start in the name of Jesus. I said, now, brother, I just want you to rest in that, and I'll see you tomorrow. That very hour. And he was excited about this very hour. That very hour. He started producing urine. That quick. And in, I've lost track of him over the years. But I also know that he was healed of cancer in that time. And he looked at me one day in the church foyer and he says, but he says that diabetes thing. And I said, you know what? You know what? I said, treat it and live. Treat it and live. There are people that get freaked out about, about the miraculous. The miraculous is about the Lord showing his faithfulness, which flows out of his greatness. And he wants people to know, Emmanuel, God is with us. This is what he's given us. He is faithful. He is faithful to perform his word that he has sent. He has sent his word to heal us of our diseases. I could go on. I got a whole bunch more listed. It's like, I don't need all these. I'm just going to share what the Lord is, is giving me. And, and besides, my time is almost done. But I want to tell you something. He is faithful even when we are faithless. And besides, he's faithful because he is God. He can't disown himself. It's part of who he is. One more point about faithfulness is this in Philippians 1.6. He finishes what he has started. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A seed planted must grow. If you've been planting seeds, you may have not even remembered where you have planted all those seeds. And you might not even know how much you have watered all of those seeds, but it is God who gives the increase. Why does he give the increase? Because he is faithful and cannot disown himself. For you to call out for your house to be saved, he will be faithful because he can't disown you. He can't disown himself. We are part of him. He is part of us. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask what you want and it will be done for you. Just because it doesn't happen right away, don't you think for a minute it won't? I am calling on you to have hope again, church. For things that you have forgotten, things that you keep beating yourself up for, things or whatever. 
It's not about you. It's about Him. We are called. We are ordered to. We are in this task of worshiping Him and showing Him His glory. Lord, look at, look at, Lord. I have glorified Your name today. Isn't that wonderful? We don't do it for any kind of a reward. Because we know this, that whoever gives a glass of water in Jesus' name will not go without reward. Do we have a problem getting a glass of water these days? How insignificant is that? And yet God sees it. You have sown much. And maybe been thinking you have not reaped according to that. He's faithful. And an accelerated harvest is coming. Would you stand me, please? I'm done. <laughs> Paul Paul says said this in in uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 he said the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet that means I can start it up and I can shut it off and sometimes I should shut it off earlier uh lord I want to thank you for your holy spirit I lord I feel and with faith know that you are encouraging you are blessing And Lord, we are leaning on your faithfulness this morning, and we wouldn't be here without it. But Lord, in terms of hope, in terms of those that aren't serving the Lord as they should, and we look upon them and say, God, God, don't forget my children. Lord, may you renew that to them today, and just let them know that, Lord, you started a work, Even if it's just planting a seed, you started a work and you're faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for this week, for everyone here, but for this week, Lord, Lord, that someone would be saved in and through us. Pray, Lord, for a fresh testimony from someone of your greatness, your faithfulness. Lord, you said in Mark 16 that there would be these signs to those that preach. Lord, let it be a sign of what we've heard from you this morning. Just a humble preacher, but Lord, you are great and mighty, and I lift up your name, not mine. Lord, may they see that this was a word for them. And Lord, if there's someone here in our midst that's a little bit weary, weary in faith, Lord, that you'd lift them up, pick them up, Get them going. And Lord, only you can do that. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and able to quicken the mortal body. Lord, I want to thank you for that word. And Lord, for everyone that is here today, I pray God, in your joy, may they go forth into the harvest. In Jesus' name, everybody said. God bless you as you go today.